Hi, I'm Naira Smith, and welcome to this conference audio from Work and Go Manchester 2022. For more resources and information about Work and Go and our upcoming events, check out our website, www.workandgo.org. Work and Go wants to see work and lives transformed by the good news of Jesus. We seek to inspire, equip, and commission you as a follower of Jesus, affirming that sharing your faith across cultures and having a fulfilling career are not mutually exclusive. In fact, they're made to go together. Here's Ruth Valerio. Ruth is a Global Advocacy and Influencing Director for Tear Fund. Her approach to work is rooted in a clear biblical foundation, understanding the holistic gospel message and recognising that God has called us to live out the good news of Jesus Christ, focusing on the restoration of relationships. Here, Ruth reflects upon her work journey and shares some lessons she has learnt along the way. She unpacks how she came to recognise that true fulfilment lies in aligning passions and purposes with God's calling. Enjoy. Hello, everybody. I hope you've had a really good day today. And I've been really struck listening Thank you. Listening to Steve and listening to the the different contributors in the seminars and then the first session this morning, we are all coming from different backgrounds and have different stories to tell. So my my background and my working life, if you'd call it that, but I don't even know that I would call it that, is very different to Steve's. And what it shows me, what I've been reflecting on for us here, is that none of us are cookie cutters, and none of us are going to come from a cookie cutter, kingdom, career kind of thing. For all of us, over the years, all of you would be in a position to stand up here and to share what you've been doing with your lives and how God has been working with you. So none of us standing up here, in one sense, are giving you the definitive, this is what's going to happen. What is exciting for me, as I look at all of you, is knowing that God has a different story and a different calling on each one of you. And each one of you is going to work that out in a different way. So I hope it's inspiring just hearing the many, many different things that people are involved with. It's been lovely for me to hear that. I want just to share some reflections from my own work journey and to see what lessons I've learned and if there are, and to throw some things out that may or may not be of help to you. For me, my work has always been about my passion and what I think God is calling me to. I've not been particularly interested in earning high levels of money. I've not been particularly interested in developing a career as such. Now, please hear me. I'm not saying that there is anything wrong necessarily with either of those two things. We all need money in order to live, and some of us, God will bless us with large amounts of money. When he does, 
If he does, remember that's not for you, that's so you can bless other people. Joseph, sadly, if we remember the rest of the story, messed that up and forgot that the blessing wasn't for him and, and forgot that he was supposed to bless other people. So if you do earn lots of money, remember that challenge. It is in order that you can be generous towards other people. But we do need to earn, of course we do, and I'm very grateful for the salary that I currently have. And there is nothing wrong with wanting to follow a career and wanting to be the best that we can. Eric Little, God takes pleasure, God delights in me being able to run fast. And so he strove to be the best runner that there was at the Olympic Games. God has given you all sorts of talents, and it's absolutely right that you want to do those to the best of your ability. That might lead to you climbing to the top of your career ladder, so to speak. And if that's what happens, then praise God, that's wonderful. But for me, that's, neither of those things have been things that have spurred me on particularly, and even the concept of work has hardly spurred me on. For me, what, what I am about is the calling that I think that God has called me to and the life that I want to live. And then if I can earn some money in order to survive, in order to be able to outwork that calling, well, that's a necessary thing and I'm really thankful that that happens. But at its heart... Being a Christian is about living a life sold out to God. It's not about doing work here and church here, as Steve was saying, and family there. It's about living a life sold out to the calling that God has given us. And that will lead to us doing that in all the different areas of our lives. We'll do that in our family life. and We'll do that in the way by which we earn money in order to be able to pay our bills and we'll do that in all those different areas. Our working lives, of course, are where we spend a good chunk of our time and so it would be a bit odd if we saw it as being separate to our faith. What I do comes from a very clear biblical rooting and an understanding around a holistic gospel and an understanding that God has called us to live out the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, which is focused on the restoration of relationships. And I just want to play a little video to you to illustrate that. It's annoying how easily we break things. <laughs> what good is something that's broken? What about the things we break that we can't throw away? The people we hurt? The situations we mess up? The unjust structures that we ignore? The ways we exert power over the poor? When it's played out on a global scale, it does more than just cause us pain as individuals. Communities, cities, Nations suffer and struggle, compete and even fight. And this brokenness damages the planet itself. We are careless with this precious earth. We are greedy for all it gives. 
natural resources are used up and fought over. The earth groans and suffers. This brokenness is where poverty comes from. Poverty isn't just a lack of money. It is a deep brokenness in the world that we experience in all kinds of ways. In hunger and insecurity, thirst and a lack of education, loneliness, sickness, violence and hopelessness. Our relationships with each other are damaged. Our relationship with the physical world is damaged. Even our relationship with ourselves. Because we don't know who we are or where we belong. At the heart of all this brokenness is our broken relationship with God. Who made everything in love and made it good. We have pulled away from him and from his ways. And we are left diminished, unsure of who we are or what we can do. All of us are affected, but some of us suffer more than others. What do we do with so much brokenness? Is that just the way it has to be? We believe that God has always been interested in mending things. And in Jesus, God came close and showed us how. Jesus doesn't just patch things up. The cross and the resurrection make possible a whole new creation. Not by throwing the old things away, but by redeeming and restoring them. And as we continue to be restored and healed, and our relationships are restored, God invites us to join His work. We get to be a part of the ministry of reconciliation and restoration. And it transforms all of those broken relationships. With others, with the physical world, with ourselves, and with God. It's a ministry that is bigger than us. This is God's story and God's work. And one day, we believe it will reach its climax when Jesus returns and ushers in a life of wholeness for everyone once more. So we are here because we have a ministry of reconciliation. We are here because our lives have been reconciled to God and we're here to help others experience that similarly and to work towards the reconciliation of people with each other and the reconciliation of the whole natural world. And we live that out throughout the whole of our lives, not least through the things that we do as we earn money. And so it's thinking for all of us, how do we, how, what does that look like in our work context? Whatever it is that we're doing, how are we working to see people's relationship with God, with each other, with the wider natural world reconciled? And how am I seeing that happen in my own life through the way that I work and through the things that I do? The first is the eco-church scheme. And those of you who were in Rosh and my seminar this morning have heard a bit about that already. It's a scheme in England and Wales to help churches engage with environmental care. 
and comes from Arosha, UK, and for a number of years I worked with them. I was churches and theology director and really engaged, as I still am, in helping the church to understand what Caroline was talking about this morning, that taking care of this world isn't a fringe activity, but is a central part of what it means to be a Christian. The Eco Church Network has taken off amazingly. There's now over five and a half thousand churches that are involved with it. Lots of awards have been given out. All of the Church of England Diocese and Church of Wales Diocese have signed up. And it's, it's been a, a wonderfully encouraging and exciting thing to be a part of. It was a scary thing to launch. It was my idea. And I was working for this tiny little organization called Arosha UK. But I just knew that, that we needed something like this. There was a scheme that was already happening called Eco Congregation that was doing something, but it wasn't really fulfilling the potential that was there. And it was clear that something new that came from eco-congregation, but was kind of effectively a, a rebranding and a relaunch, that something needed to happen. And so very small team of us, of some paid people and some volunteers worked on it together and drew in other people to help us. What are some things that I learned from that, when you've got something that you want to work towards, take it step by step. If I look at where Eco Church is now, even if I look at where I wanted it to be, working towards the launch, it was all too much and too, too big a dream and a vision, if you like. But rather than getting overwhelmed by where I wanted it to get to, it was more for me. Okay, take the next step. And when I've done that, take the next step. What's the next thing we need to do in order to bring this about? We need to look at the questionnaire or we need to get some partners or, okay, let's have this conversation. So take things step by step and that helps you move forward towards your goal. Work with collaboration, work in collaboration. That's been so important for me all the way through my years of work, always working with other people not having a strong sense of, of, of ownership. So I could see right from the start that if Arosha UK just did this on its own, it would fail. And so I worked really hard to develop relationships and get other organisations having a sense of ownership. So we did this together. I'm sure you know the, the saying, if you want to get somewhere fast, if you, if you want to get somewhere fast, go on your own. If you want to get somewhere, if you want to get a long way, go with other people. So be collaborative in the way that you work and listen to others. Gosh, I had to listen to others. I didn't know it all. And I would come up with a good way of doing so what I thought was a good way of doing something. And then someone else on the team would say, no, actually, we think this is a better way. Listen, 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 all the way through my my working life at Tear Fund, it's the same. I have learned to listen to others. I am not an expert in, oh, I'm no expert in pretty much everything. And working in team, allowing other people to shape what you're doing is so important. And it's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. If you can acknowledge that you will work better when, when you allow other people 
to input. The second thing that it has been a privilege for me to be involved with is something that started off as plastic less lent. So for a little for a number of years I would do something at lent with my family. I've got two daughters and at this point they were young young sort of early teens and we did various things. We might do sometimes we did Christian aids they would do this lent thing and we would do that together one year one of my daughters said could we do a meat-free lent so we tried doing that which led to us pretty much stopping eating meat as a family in general and then one year one of my daughters said how about we do a plastic free lent and each time when we did it I would put something out on Facebook and say we're doing this as a family does anyone want to join in and you know there'd be a few people who joined in and we'd do it with others so I said, okay, yeah, let's, let's give that a go. Let's do, I knew that plastic free wasn't possible. So I said, we'll do plastic less Lent and see how much we can reduce it, plastic amount, our plastic consumption by. And I just put a thing out on Facebook and said, we're going to do this as a family. I'll, I'll post up a tip every day for 40 days. Does anybody want to do this with us? And we'll see how much we can move off our plastic addiction and learn from each other and get tips and, and so on. And I got a huge response. And once Lent had finished, people wanted it to continue. So I changed its title to Plasticless Living. And there's now over 5,000 people who are on the group. And I had a look recently and people are still every day posting up tips and there's lots of chat and lots of conversation. And hopefully it's been a great way for people to, to learn from each other and to reduce their use of plastic. If you have an idea, try something. You know, I didn't really have this fully in my mind. I thought, I'll just offer it out. I'll just put it out on social media and, and see what happens. And then I let it grow from there. And again, that coming back to the idea of ownership, I wasn't too precious about it. I thought, I'm happy for this to take on a, a life of its own. So, so don't hold on to things too tightly. Let them go and, and see what happens with them. Prepare to stick at something. Although it doesn't sound very much, actually posting something up every day for 40 days became a little bit of a chore. And I had to work it all out and I had to remember if I was away or out with someone. I had to think, oh my goodness, I've still got to post this up and then I need to engage and I need to have the conversations. And so it was a commitment. I couldn't start it off and then, and then just say two weeks into Lent, oh, I can't be bothered with this anymore. 40 days, of course, isn't that long. Many things that you will be engaged with at work will require your commitment for a lot longer than 40 days. But this did teach me that if you commit yourself to something, you have to stick at it and see through what you've committed yourself to go to do. And then at the end, again, I was happy to, to let it go. It continued, but there are some others who took on the, the daily running of it. And I go on every now and then and, and have a look. And in one sense, my name, so to speak, isn't really associated with it. And that's absolutely fine. So give things a go. Look, be excited about where they might go. And don't worry too much about ownership. 
And then finally, this is something that I'm, that is a new thing for me, and I'm in the process of developing, called the Oikos Network. I might sound like a very strange word. Oikos is Greek for home and is the word from which we get both economy and ecology. It's about our home. And you may know the Pope wrote and talks about sharing our common home. We live in the home of this world and we share it with many, many people all around the world and many, many other creatures. And the Oikos Network is a network for an international network for Christians who are actively engaged in environmental care and actively working to get their churches and their communities engaged in environmental care. There are many people around the world doing this and often they feel like they are banging their heads against a brick wall. When you're involved in environmental care, the church can be an extremely frustrating place to be. And often people feel isolated, but often they're encountering similar issues in totally different contexts, but coming up against the same theological arguments and the same kind of obstacles. I've put adapting to changing context because the Oikos Network has come from me thinking through how can I take the, the work that I've done in the UK church around inspiring churches to be engaging with environmental care and help that, help see that happen around the world. It's not appropriate for me to be jumping on aeroplanes and flying all around the world to church to, to speak to church leaders. Can I just say, if you're still flying regularly, you need to rethink that. The age of regular flying has gone now. We're in a climate crisis and we have to change how much we fly. So I would love to be going all around the world speaking to church leaders, but I can't anymore. And so I need to adapt to that. Plus, I don't need to because there are so many wonderful people who are active in their different contexts. And so, again, I've done this collaboratively, working with Arosha International, with the World Evangelical Alliance, with the Anglican Communion and others, the Anglican Alliance. And we've started this network, which has now, we did a pilot project, and we have now got 50 people in peer mentoring groups who are supporting each other from across the world. Every group has people in it from at least three different countries. And there's material that we go through. And it's a way for us to support and to mentor without having to fly all around the world in order to do that. So it's been really encouraging. I'm facilitating one of the groups and we have uh, UK, Germany, the Netherlands, Zambia and Kenya, people from there. And we have such rich discussions. But this is about me adapting to a changing context globally and for myself personally. Leadership facilitates, it empowers, it's, it releases. We've heard a lot about that already. And it's been an important lesson for me. The best leaders don't do it all. 
the best leaders facilitate and empower and allow other people to do it and to grow from that. And finally, of course, we're still learning. The Oikos Network is in its early days. We will, we will learn. We will make mistakes and there will be things that we will need to learn in order to make it the most successful thing that it can be. And as leaders, we are always learning. I know you will know this already in your work context, but you will always, always learn. And the moment you think that you've got a handle on your job, I'm <laughs> sure something will come along to show you that, that you haven't. We are always learning. So those are three examples of some of the ways by which I've been able to bring about some level of transformation through the work that I do. Let me come back to this one and I'm going to finish with this. We are called to act justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly. I can remember one time when my daughters were little and we'd been to church and we were cycling back from church and one of them had a party to get to and it was really rushed and you, you can never get kids to go as fast as you want them to go and I was trying to get them down the road and we had to get back in order to get out and my eldest daughter stopped and I said to her, Marley, what, what are you doing? Come on, you, we've got a party to get to and there was a can on the side of the road and she said, Mum, I'm just picking up this can and we'll take it home and put it in the recycling bin. To my absolute shame, I was in such a fluster, I said to her, oh, don't worry about that now, Marley. Someone else will do it. <laughs> That's where all of my credentials go tumbling to the ground. And she looked at me and she said, yes, Mummy, and we could be that someone. <laughs> she was about eight. Honestly, I tell you, and I, I looked at her and I said, yes, Marley, you're right. Put it in the basket and we'll take it home. And I think that's what I want to leave you with. I hope the things that you've heard from today have been inspiring. There are so many different things that you are all being called to here. None of you will have a story that looks like mine or Steve's or Tim's or Caroline's or anyone else. It will be different but you have a calling to make a change, to be living for the restoration of those relationships, to be acting justly, loving mercy, walking humbly. And the message today is that God calls you and you can be that someone. So grasp hold of that and walk forward with humility. That was the last recording from our Work and Go Conference 2022. We hope you've enjoyed listening. Do look out for upcoming content here on the Work and Go podcast and subscribe so you don't miss anything. And if you found the podcast helpful and encouraging, then please do share it with others. For more resources and information about our upcoming November event, please check out our website, workandgo.org, or follow us on Instagram at workandgo.uk, and you'll find all the links in the show notes. If you have any questions, feedback or anything else, please do get in touch. We would love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening.